I'd like to give you the most brief of histories of confirmation in the Church of Jesus Christ so that you're fully aware of what we're doing this morning and what we're not doing this morning. Both are important. Confirmation actually goes back to some of the earliest manifestations of the church. Some of the earliest records we have had some form of what we would call today confirmation. The young in the community would go through training in the word and in holy living and then on Easter Sunday, at least in the earliest church, it was always Easter Sunday, they would take part in three sacraments all at once. Baptism, confirmation, and communion all at once. The confirmants would descend into a pool where they were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They came out of the water and they were clothed in white, a white robe. And then the bishop laid hands on them and anointed them with oil. And then they proceeded to a place of honor in the community where they participated in communion for the first time. This was the apex of the church experience was confirmation, the end of this confirmation program. Throughout the years, the concept of confirmation has changed a lot, and the church began to see confirmation as a, as a culmination of a sacramental process rather than all of those sacraments happening at once. A child would be baptized usually as an infant, would receive communion at about age eight, and then be confirmed at about age 13, signaling a maturity of faith and a completion of a process. So what do we believe? Well, we believe that 7th and 8th graders are at the ideal age to begin to make their faith their own, that they're ready to really study God's word and to make a profession of faith that's in their own voice and from their own hearts. We also believe that this is not the end of a process for students so much as a beginning of great things. We believe students it's okay to say this, we believe that your faith is nowhere near as mature as it could be. And in as much as that is true, welcome to the club with all the rest of us. We believe in what God is doing in your life, and today we want to confirm what God is doing in your life. But for those gathered here today, I remind you from our scripture this morning that Jesus put a very high value on young people. He told his disciples that unless they understood God and faith and life like the young do, then they couldn't understand the kingdom of God at all. And he went even further, even further than that, so far as to suggest that the young are so important that anyone who would harm them, who would put a stumbling block before them, should expect the most severe of consequences. I say this today, to remind you, church gathered here today, and to bear witness to the fact that these students, they have a word from God for you today. This is not a day to pat these confirmands on the back and say, hey, good job, you made it. This is a day to listen to their words and to look at their lives and to ask yourself, what is God speaking to me through these youth? Because Jesus himself tells us that they understand the kingdom of God on a level that all of us need to understand for ourselves. There are many manifestations of confirmation in the global church today, but I want to clearly communicate this morning that this manifestation of confirmation here at Hinsdale Covenant Church values these voices of these students 
as a way in which God speaks and that we're excited about how God is at work in the lives of these students and confident that even the most learned and mature of us here today have a lot to learn from them. And most importantly, I want you to know, students, that this is a church that places no stumbling blocks between you and your relationship with God because we affirm your gifts and we're thankful for your voice and we deeply respect the work that God is doing in your lives, in your hearts. And we're excited to hear about that this morning. Our students, rather than just a, a litany, a profession of faith, have an opportunity to write a mini sermon. So I want you to think of these students as your pastors this morning who are giving testimony and uh, sharing with us God's word. So we're going to start with our students this morning, and we're going to have Maddie start us. Good morning. Um, I'm Maddie Van Hootie, and the character I chose from the Bible is Joshua. Courage. It takes courage to speak in front of a crowd. It takes courage to stand up for what you believe in. There are many ways you can use your courage, as to walking up to a stranger, looking out for someone or something, doing a dangerous stunt, or even doing what's best in God's eyes. God expects us to do what's right and step up to his people to help. Throughout the Bible and our lives, there is courage everywhere. In Joshua 1, 6 through 8, it states, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to left or to right, that you will be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law with, with always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be careful and do everything written in it. Then you will be successful. successful. Um, what the Lord is saying to Joshua is that courage will take time, but when you possess it, you can use it for the good. Ever since I was four, I wanted to become Hannah Montana. I was good to go with my pink bob wig I got from Christmas and the stage in the basement my dad made for me and the blow-up guitar I got from Nuki Thursdays. In fourth grade, I got really into performing and plays and musicals, all because of my mom. My mom saw potential in me, and so she made me start voice lessons, piano and guitar lessons, and dance lessons. I remember arguing with her because I thought they would do me no good. I was wrong. The one thing that was getting in my way was that I was shy. For four years, I had been getting small parts or only getting in the ensemble. I never wanted to give up because I love music so much. Because of this, I quit swimming, which was my backup if I didn't have rehearsal. I quit soccer because of a very in serious injury. So acting and singing was all I had. Throughout the process, I've gotten, are you even good enough to get an actual part? And why are you even trying? I go home after most practices crying, thinking I was wasting my time, trying to be someone I'm not. I remember this made me more self-cautious of myself. Dyslexia made it more difficult because it made me think less of myself and I crawl into a hole. I felt, my, I felt lost in my own little world. I tried my hardest and would always fail, but I never gave up. Until last year, it was summer and auditions were coming up for the musical Bye Bye Birdie. No one was auditioning, so I thought I could get, this could be my one shot. I practiced for the longest of time, trying to achieve my four-year goal. Auditions came, but it was shaky, but I got a decent part. Um, it was a good new start. 
After that one part, I climbed out of the hole and made bolder choices. I'd always give myself a pep talk before the next audition saying that courage will only help you. For me, courage didn't come to me overnight. It took four and a half years. I'm glad I had to wait for that long because it was worth the while. Now I'm doing Annie with my close friends from school and here at church. And um, I got one of the leads. I'm proud to say I came out of the shell that has last, lost, um, lasted most of my life. In the future, my courage might take new heights. It might help me get bigger roles or even help spread God's word. Courage um, should be used for good. I never really thought that my courage was going to be something important in my daily life. Courage should be important to everyone because we can use it to, um, for, um, for amazing things. Just like the Lord said, we need to be strong and courageous. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Caroline Frizel. Today I will be sharing my faith story and how I relate to Daniel and the passage Daniel 6, 16 through 28. This passage describes how Daniel was able to survive a night in a lion's den purely relying on his faith in God. I relate to Dan the faith of Daniel for many reasons. I believe that I relate to him because I have had experiences throughout my faith life and everyday life similar to Daniel. For example, I have moved many times due to the fact that my mom enjoys renovating houses. But one of the hardest moves I've ever had to make was my first move. This was the biggest for me because instead of just moving houses, I had to move towns. This was hard because I had to leave all of my good friends behind and start over. This was difficult because I'm normally very shy when I first meet people and I was scared to have to make new friends. Luckily, as the days, weeks, and years went by, life got easier. This just proves that if you stick with what you believe in and be strong within yourself, you'll be able to get through everything that may be going on and see the light at the end of the tunnel. This is how I'm able to relate to the passage of Daniel 6, 16 through 28, because similarly to Daniel, I had to go, follow through with what I was going through. I also had to have confidence for the end result, like Daniel had to do when he was locked in the den. Daniel had to believe that he would get out unharmed because his Lord protects and loves and cares for him. Because of this experience, I have learned that my Lord loves, protects, and cares for me too. This is an example of how Daniel and I relate in personality and situations that have happened to me throughout my life. But I relate to him faith-wise because I remember one specific time when my family and I were sledding in Michigan at the Warren Dunes. The ground was covered in snow and sand, and it was a great day, but at this point, everybody was just cold enough and felt like we had had enough rides down the huge hill that we were ready to take off. At this moment, we were the last ones at the dunes, and it was getting colder and darker by the minute. Once we arrived at the car, my mom realized that she didn't have the keys anymore. She checked everywhere and couldn't find them. Everyone was freaking out because we were locked out with no one to help us. By this time, the keys were probably packed all the way down in the ground due to the multiple times that people went sledding on the hill, possibly packing the keys down farther and farther. Although we knew it would be hard to find them, we all gave it a chance. We split up and started looking for the much-needed keys to get us back to our lake house. As I was walking, longing for the keys, I started to pray. I asked God for help and that we would soon find the keys so we could get home safely. Everyone's phone was also locked inside of the car, so we were in desperate need of help, and in that moment, I remember turning to God. 
As I finished up my prayer, I turned around to my mom who was yelling, I found the keys. I, it was truly a miracle. And in that moment, I knew that God had come through for me and helped me as my family and I were in a time of need. This relates to the story of Daniel, because as Daniel was trapped with the lions, he had nothing to rely on but his faith in God, similarly to myself. He struggled as he was put in this position, but he made it through the night without being harmed. He had also experienced God's amazing power in the midst of trials like myself. In all, as I grow in my faith, I hope to be like Daniel so I can be confident enough in God that I would be willing to put myself in a den of lions and believe that I would remain unharmed throughout the night. I hope that I will be able to achieve this as I grow in my faith from here on out. Thank you. Hello, my name is Isaac Brorson. All of us go through difficult times in our lives. We all experience setbacks, but you'll realize that the challenges we face are small to compared to the challenges of Old Testament followers of God. The Old Testament character that I chose is Daniel. Throughout his life, he was persecuted for his beliefs, yet remained committed to God throughout these. I think that I relate to Daniel because I have gone through challenges, yet much smaller, and have never questioned that God is working good in my life. I hope that you can see God working in your life, too. As far as I can remember, I have believed in God. My family started taking me to church before I was one year old. I don't think I really understood what I was being taught in church until age seven or eight. Um, <clears throat> I vaguely remember being in Little Lambs in that room that is now a storage room, although there's a much nicer room for that age group now. But I clearly remember Blast. In Blast, I learned about the resurrection in the Garden of Eden, and I was in a skit about the calming of the waters. I learned the most common stories, like those of Jonah, Moses, and Jesus. When Christmas time came, I would visit all the stations at the birthday party for Jesus. Next, I graduated to Club 56. I would never miss a night at Club 56. It was only once a month on Wednesdays. Um, every Sunday after church, I would go to Club 56 lesson in the loft. I was really in Club 56 that I started learning uh, reading my Bible on my own and deepening my faith. I remember, I remember enjoying the videos of someone drawing out all the scenes for the lesson on Sundays. Now I've reached Flipside and along with it confirmation. I will miss going to Flipside on Wednesday nights because this last Wednesday was our last um, Flipside meeting in the loft. I, I have learned so much from confirmation such as how Jesus showed up in the Old Testament and why the timing was perfect uh, that God sent Jesus. Um, throughout my faith journey, I've always needed God, though, um, and relied on him to guide me. I will still need his help for the rest of my life. Daniel lived in the capital city of Babylon during the Babylonian rule of Israel. In Babylon, he was persecuted for his beliefs. Like Daniel, I am sometimes confronted because of my religion. Around the world, people are being persecuted for their religion. At the beginning of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had just taken over Judah. Daniel interpreted dreams for Nebuchadnezzar. Later, King Darius rose to power. King Darius appointed many satraps and officials to govern his kingdom, one of which was Daniel. Darius liked Daniel and planned to set him over the entire kingdom because of his wisdom and connection to God. The other satraps and officials didn't want Daniel to become ruler, though. 
Um, so they tried to find a way to get him killed. Eventually, they made up their mind. They went to King Darius and pressured him to put a law into effect that anyone who, would, who worshipped anyone except King Darius in the next seven days would be thrown into the lion's den. When they found Daniel praying to God as he did three times a day, they told Darius this, and Darius had no choice but to do it. Um, before Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, King Darius said, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And, and God did serve Daniel. He sent an angel to protect Daniel. Um, King Darius did not eat that evening nor sleep that night. In the morning, he went to the lion's den and called for Daniel. Daniel was still alive, of course, and the king was overjoyed. Darius then ordered that the men who deceived him be thrown into the lion's den. Um, and he sent out a decree that everyone must serve the God of Daniel. I relate to Daniel because both of us have kept on believing in God even when the world might seem against us. Daniel went through many trials, but he trusted in God throughout them. I also go through trials, and I pray to God for help, and he helps me through whatever I need his help with. In conclusion, Daniel and I relate because of our faith in God. Both of us have gone through some difficult times trusting in God throughout. Daniel was an exile who was persecuted for, beliefs, for his beliefs, and I am a firm believer in God's saving power and am put through various trials in my life. But if I fall back on God and let him guide me, I will be able to get, up back, get back up again. Um, Daniel also went through trials and tribulations, and God saved him. Let God take control of your life and trust in him to use you to inspire others in faith. Thank you. Hello and good morning. My name is Vivian Eck. My character is Solomon and my passage is 1 Kings, verse 3, 5 through 14. I think King Solomon is such a loyal person who knew exactly what he wanted. He was given an option by God to choose one thing he wanted. He could have picked anything, for example, money or fame, but he chose wisdom. Most people would have given up anything to have all the money in the world. And God knew that Solomon was someone special because of his decision. Today, we think of so much of who is the richest person and how we can become that. Yet, the story of King of Solomon showed us that wisdom is much more important than any material good. I relate to the story of Solomon because I get distracted with material goods. I have a problem with judging people by what they wear, where they live, and what car they drive. I know what I want to be when I'm older, which is to help kids or people. I have known that since I was born with my first word, which is baby not like the normal dada. I look up to Solomon hoping that one day God can help me love every person like the richest person in the world. And when I come to face with the question, what do I want? I would like to say wisdom to help this world and make it better one person at a time. There's a quote that says one man can change the world. This quote says it does not take a whole church, a whole town to change the world. It takes one person, you. You need to have the wisdom and courage to do this. I had this one teacher when I was little who was the kindest person I've ever met. She came to work every day with the biggest smile on her face. She loved her job and wanted to help every kid, no matter how smart, how pretty, or how dedicated the child was. She was going to make the kid love school and excel. I remember not missing a day of school. I loved it. 
That teacher inspired me to want a teach or a job that could help kids love school as much as she made me love school. As I went on from grade to grade and teacher to teacher, I never met a woman or men like that. A lot of teachers gave up on students, was only in it for the money, or was just mean. They were counting down the days till they would retire and were done with us. When I went to school after that, I wasn't motivated. I didn't wake up every morning excited for school. Most of my teachers now give up on kids if they don't try hard enough or don't turn their work in on time. They yell at us or punish us, hoping that that will make a difference. My teacher way back when was like Solomon. She was not in it for the money. She was not in it. She was not in it for the time. She was. She could have retired years ago if that was the case. She was in it to make kids happy, to share her wisdom, and to help kids love school. I want to be wise like Solomon, but also remain in the relationship in ways Solomon did not, because I know God is the giver of all wisdom. I also want to have the courage to ask for wisdom like Solomon, so I can help people everywhere, love schools, hospitals, or just about anything, just like my teacher did way back when. I think that we should all strive to be like King Solomon and ask for wisdom. Having money or fame can only help us. Asking for wisdom can help hundreds of people or even just one. Your own King Solomon may be a little different, but we all know one. The person who is like an old storyteller to you, always knowing what to say or do. I think we should all strive to be like him and not be motivated by material goods and strive to have the knowledge to make a difference. The knowledge should love what you do every day and love waking up in the morning. Thank you. Hi, I am Trevor Debonier. I chose to talk about the faith of three characters in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was impressed by their unwavering faith even in the face of death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, knowing God's command, refused to worship false idols such as a golden image. Because of their refusal to obey King Nebuchadnezzar's command, they faced death in a fiery furnace. While there may not be a golden image 60 cubits high set up in Spring Rock Park over in Western Springs where I live, there are plenty of things that I and many typical teenagers practically worship. For example, our phones, our gaming console, and even our appearance. For me personally, the time I dropped and broke my phone caused me to feel depressed and even a bit jittery for a few days. And when, our, and when our cable television and internet was on the fritz for two days, the entire Devonier household was a total mess. <laughs> when I think about my reaction to the loss of these things, things that are such a luxury to most of the world, but things that I and many others seem not to be able to live without, I feel embarrassed. My tears over my broken phone were the same tears I shed over the passing of my 105-year-old grandmother. I realize I have become way too attached to ordinary objects, like money. These objects blind me from what is truly important, like the work of God. But through the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I realize how important it is not to give in to, to idol worship and always remember what is truly important and what truly will last. Next, King Nebuchadnezzar reminds me of the pressure to do things I don't always want to do, or even that are wrong. He ordered that everyone worship a golden idol. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew God's command and flatly refused to bow down to the false idol. One late night, my family stopped into a Chinese restaurant. We were tired and hungry for a late night snack of chicken rice soup, and soup was all that we wanted. Somehow we were talked into ordering several, several orders of fried rice to go with the soup. Well, it turns out the fried food at this late hour did not sit well with any of our stomachs, and we all had an interesting night of sleep. <laughs> While we all recovered from our belly aches, other decisions I'll make in the future will certainly have greater implications and may not resolve as quickly as a bellyache. I realize that I need to make the best decisions rooted in God's wishes for me. I must be strong enough to not give in to the Nebuchadnezzars of the world. Finally, in this passage, I'm happy that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have each other to rely on. I'm glad I have people of faith in my life that show me the right paths. I realize I may not be able to make all of the right decisions by myself, and that sometimes is best to ask others for help. Whether it is saying a prayer before I go to bed at night or asking a, a trustworthy adult about an important decision, every bit of advice helps, especially when the advice is rooted in God. I realize now that God will be with me even in the worst of times, and I am confident that with God's help, I will be able to stay on the right path in life. While I know that I will make mistakes and even probably hurt some people I care about along the way, I know that God will always be watching over me, no matter how hot the fire may burn. Hi, I'm Tatum, and I did um, Joshua as my character. When I was younger, my family and I never really had a church we went to every Sunday or a church we had been members at. We kind of jumped around from place to place, and then one of my brother's friends invited Patrick, my brother, to go to youth group. Patrick would come home with all of these amazing stories of this church he went to on Wednesdays and Sundays. After hearing all about Hinsdale Covenant, I really wanted to go. I never heard about a church in which you could learn about God and Jesus in a really fun and easygoing way. Then in fourth or fifth grade, I finally got to go. As soon as I walked in the door, I fell in love with the community. Not long afterwards, my family and I became members, and I started going to church and youth group on a regular basis. On the fall retreat two years ago, the speaker mainly focused on committing to faith in Jesus. At one point, the speaker said, if this is your first time devoting yourself to follow Jesus, stand up. And at this moment, I realized I was going through all the motions of being a Christian, yet I never actually committed myself and said, I want to follow Jesus and live my life in the name of the Lord. So I stood up. After their talk, we were told to go to quiet time. Quiet time is where you can sit anywhere and just have a peaceful and thoughtful moment. I aimlessly wandered away from the building and sat down. A thousand questions raced across my mind. What did I do now? What if I don't do anything right? What if I don't commit myself enough? And I finally looked up and noticed where my wandering feet and mind had taken me. I was sitting on a tree stump by the lake and you could see the reflection of the multicolored trees perfectly on the surface. It was one of the most beautiful sights I'd ever witnessed. In that moment, I realized I wanted to follow Jesus. I wanted to be in the kingdom of God, and I really wanted to be a devoted Christian. I knew in that instant I needed to trust in God, and I had to be strong and courageous. When it says in Joshua 1, 6-8, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn away from it. 
the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate it on day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I really heard God speaking to me through this passage. And Joshua's faith is similar to mine because I had to be strong and courageous, and I also needed to trust in God. I want my faith to be more like this because Joshua always seemed to be able to find strength and courage. No matter how hard, intimidating, or scary things get for you, just know that God's love, grace, and presence will never cease. God will always be there to help us be strong and courageous. Good morning, I'm Tess, and my Old Testament character is Jacob. I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 32, verses 23 through 30. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life is spared. In this text, Jacob is wrestling with a figure of God in persistence of faith. When looking at the list of topics on the guideline sheet, these verses stood out to me because, I found, because before I found this church, my faith struggled. When I was younger, I didn't quite have the attention span I have now, and paying attention in church wasn't easy, so long services were filled with boredom for me. That trend continued until we moved churches. Despite the change of scenery, I still found myself unable to connect with God in a meaningful way. I was even an altar server for a short period of time and still felt no real connection to the work I was doing. The only place I could really find my faith was at the summer camp I attended, attended every summer, Camp Tecumseh. Of course, it was fun outdoor games and activities, but in the mornings we all attended chapel where we sing the, sang, where we sing the same songs we sing here, and at night each cabin crowded around a candle before bed to do devotions, where we talked about our day, where we saw God in the day, and what more we can do tomorrow. At camp, it didn't feel like a chore to try to understand my faith. I didn't have to struggle to hear the words spoken, and the songs were catchy but still meaningful to me. One summer, after just coming home from camp, my sister Kate took my mom and I to a 10 a.m. service here. After a meaningful summer at Tecumseh, I was going to try to make an effort to pay more attention and listen in church, and it proved easy once the first song began. It was my favorite song from camp. Something simply clicked, and I began to attend more and more activities here. It was like my wrestling with my own faith had stopped, and I had found my place in faith, just like Jacob. My sister introduced me to Flipside, where I spun the wheel for the first time and made friends I can safely say are still by my side. It was at Camp Tecumseh where I stopped my wrestling for a few weeks in the summer, and as I'm in my last few weeks of being able to attend camp, I'm happy to say that I found another place to stop my wrestling, here. Here, I found a safe place where I can have fun. I learned from the wisdom of leaders throughout the church. I made lifelong friends to share the journey with. And most of all, I found a place where my relationship with God can take root and flourish. The words, in my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out, have never spoken truer than they have now. I used to be Jacob as he wrestled to take hold of his faith, but I am now Tess, ready to live my life in Christ. Thank you.
I struggle with knowing what is right and what is wrong in some situations. If God helps us and sticks by our side, we can make the right decision. With just a little help from him, he can guide us onto the right path. Another way I can relate to this passage is in everyday life. Every day we are faced with decisions and and all the decisions we have made in life have gotten us where we are right here today. When we make a decision, there are consequences we are faced with, with peer pressure and told to do something, and we have to decide what to do. No matter how big or little the problem or decision is, God will always be there to help us. I want to be more like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they were able to trust in God, knowing what is right and what is wrong. They were able to make the decision of doing the right thing so quickly, but when we make a decision, we take more time when we want to make the right decision. They knew, even if they had some doubt, that they would be able to make the right choice because they had God with them the whole time. All in all, I believe that if we put our effort into making the right choice and we trust in God, he will be there to help us and we can do it. Thank you. Um, I'm Brendan Bauer, and I did my uh, mini-sermon on David. Um, I believe most of us know the story of David and Goliath. We know that David was a young, scrawny little shepherd, and that Goliath was this huge, muscular warrior, and all the odds were against David when they had a fight. But with the faith of God that God gave David, uh, he beat Goliath and won. No one thought this would have been possible. I admired David's courage and faith to go into the fight that seemed he would lose, but he went in anyways and won. I always wanted to have an undying faith like that, so, and also the courage to put myself out like that. My faith, uh, I think, has always been pretty good, but I have struggled with it. I can even remember pre a pressure from a friend when I was younger to break my faith with God, and I almost did, because at that time my faith was not as strong as it is today. Uh, but David had an undeniable faith for God to the point where he put his entire life on the line. I've always thought so highly of that. My parents would always, uh, or, yeah. My parents used to always play audiobooks in car rides. Um, everyone in my family hated the audiobooks. They would, play, they would play such boring books, and we'd all put our headphones in so we didn't have to hear them. But then later on, they started playing more interesting books. And I remember one was called David and Goliath. And when the book started, a man broke down the text, uh, sort of like how we hear in a sermon every week. But, and this man's story was amazing, and I loved it so much. He broke down the story and told us why David had beat Goliath. And, like, and that David and Goliath, uh, the faith that David had to beat Goliath, and that Goliath had a disease that um, made him see... He, had, he made him bigger, but also see some weird stuff. Um, this sto uh, the book went into stories about people's David and Goliath moments. One was about winning a basketball game, and I had always thought how strange it was that the book uh, had a David and Goliath story about something so ordinary. And so the obvious answer for, uh, or the obvious question for uh, this passage is, what is, my, who is, what is my Goliath? And I think that I could list so many things that, it, that is my Goliath, but I think the best answer I can give is my doubt. Uh, there's a common expression that there is no faith without doubt. This is, this is to say that our faith would be meaningless without our doubt because God could have made us all be faithful to him, but he could have made it so that we can't sin and, because that's not li and then 
but then we would not have free choice and that would not be living and our faith would not be as meaningful as it is now. My doubt has shown up so much in my life and I have been struggling to find answers. One of my favorite subjects in school used to be math. It was my favorite because it made sense to me and I loved that it made sense. Uh, but recently it has been something that has been a bit confusing, so I don't like it as much. I still get the feeling of satisfaction when something makes sense, but that's why my faith has been so hard to secure. It doesn't make sense. The Bible is a crazy thing and, it's the weird, and has some weird stories and that many, many things make us wonder what is happ uh, that what, what's happening. That's why it's hard to have perfect th faith. In the movie Good Will Hunting, we see Will explaining to his girlfriend how he understands the equation so well when she asks him what, how. He says it's like how if Mozart looks at a piano, he sees music, but if Will would look at a piano, he would just see keys, three pedals, and a wood box. I think this makes it perfect. I think this makes a perfect analogy to how see, David sees his faith perfectly, but we see it and we're very confused. I want my faith to be more like David's because I want to be able to understand it and use it to make my life better and be more open and daring. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Grayson Goodwin, and I chose Jeremiah as my Old Testament character. The character Jeremiah was a child when God called him to be a prophet. He was scared of speaking, and he couldn't understand how he could speak God's word if he was only a kid. He says in Jeremiah 1.6, O oh, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But God orders him not to be afraid of people, because the Lord is with him and will rescue him. I can relate to Jeremiah in many ways, because of him being scared of the world and of speaking out through faith, especially at such a young age. I understand the way he reacts to God commanding him to be a prophet. If God came and told me to be a prophet, I'd freak out. I'm 13, and God wants me to tell the world about his message. No way. I can't do that. I'm just a kid. God says that he knew me before I was born, and he formed me in the womb, and he knows what he wants me to do with my life. I feel called by God to do a lot of things, like go tell your friends about God, or be open about your faith, or even do simple things, like bring people to Flipside, or sit with that kid at lunch that has no one else to sit with. But even with these little things, it's easy for me to say, oh, I'm just a kid. Oh, I'll show my faith when I'm older and it's accepted. Oh, I'm too young. I'd get made fun of. But relationships with God aren't about what people are going to think of me. Relationships with God aren't about being accepted. Relationships with God don't have age restrictions. In my faith story, I feel God's presence and I show my love for God, but usually only at places like church, only at Flipside or at Bible camp with my deeply trusted church friends. I have such a deep passion for God, but I don't show that to people who haven't already seen it. And that's where my relationship with God is flawed. I'm not open about my experiences. I don't testify to God's glory. I don't spread God's message to people who need to hear it. My faith is exclusive only to a handful of people. And so I look up to Jeremiah for his ability to show his faith wherever he goes, despite him being young, despite him being unable to speak, and despite him being only a child. God delivers to Jeremiah because of his commitment to him. God puts words in Jeremiah's mouth and saves him, heals him, and protects him. And so if there's any person from the Bible that I would want to be more like in my walk of faith, it's Jeremiah. I want to apply his courage and dedication to my own life because he spoke out for what was right, despite fear and doubts. I want to show my loyalty to the Lord wherever I go, no matter what happens. From here on out, my commitment to God is going to be displayed for the world to see. From here on out, there aren't going to be restrictions on my faith. My relationship with God isn't exclusive to few, but exposed for all to know. 
and I'm not scared of the consequences. Should I be called just a child like Jeremiah or ridiculed for my belief, I will only carry on with God in my heart. God's my savior and my protector. Haters gonna hate, but my savior's gonna save. Thank you. Hello, my name is David, and I want to talk about the story of David. He occurs in 1 Samuel 17. In this passage, the Philistines and the Israelites get ready for war. Before the fight, a Philistine, named, uh, a Philistine champion named Goliath, uh, Goliath stood forward and suggested to reduce the fight to a fight of two, of two warriors. If one Israelite dared to fight against him, a lot of other lives could be saved. Nobody dared to challenge Goliath. Because he was extremely tall, muscular, very well equipped, and an experienced fighter. When David the shepherd heard about this, he knew he had to take the challenge. David was young and therefore had no experience in fighting. Because he was not used to fight in armor, he took only five smooth stones and a sling. He dared to fight only because he knew that God the Almighty was on his side. A victory over Goliath would finally prove that there is a God in Israel. When David arrived at the battlefield, he launched a stone at Goliath's forehead and killed him. I chose the story not only because I shared the same name with David, but also because it deeply impressed me. David stood up to the challenge of fighting Goliath, even though it seemed almost impossible to win. He was young and much smaller, um, and he was not a warrior, but he was determined to win. He knew that, God, uh, that he was doing the right thing and that God was on his side. Um, his strong belief gave him the courage to go into this fight win and to stand up for his people. Once I experienced a similar situation. When I was younger, I had a friend who was constantly bullied by a very tall, aggressive older boy. One day I saw this and without, without thinking, I immediately, immediately jumped between my friend and the bully. The bully was almost two heads bigger than me and seemed much stronger. That did not stop me though. I screamed at him and told him he should never bully anyone again, especially if his victim was smaller than him. The bully was so confused by this and shocked that he uh, just stood there without saying anything, and he never bullied my friend again. I want my faith, faith to be like David's because he fights for what is right and does not give up. His strong faith gives him power to battle challenges which seemed too big for him. I'm very fascinated that David um, is risking his life to stop the war and save other lives. I believe my faith only has a purpose by reaching out to higher goals. Maybe my parents only called me David. Um, uh, oh, uh, call me David because they want me to be similar to David in the Bible. Everyone should strive for something higher and set ambitious goals. We should also do this in our faith lives. I hope God will also help me to overcome obstacles. With the help of God, we can do so much that seemed impossible before. 
When I struggle to do my work or to achieve goals, my faith in God sometimes helps me. Thank you. In many ways this morning, we're just spectators. And for those of you that maybe have a fear of missing out, uh, there's, it's fun that we get to join in on what God is doing here this morning. And for the Confirmands, this is uh, the part where we get to affirm what God is doing in your life. And I get to see that on a weekly basis. And I'm blessed to be able to share a meditation this morning to think about that a little. Confirmation is a commandment in the Bible. Moses didn't write a curriculum on what you guys would learn. Um, so it's not something that is in the Bible, but it's something that we affirm because it's something that's present. Like most traditions, we do this to remember and to affirm that which is true, that which God is doing, that which God is doing in your life. And this morning we affirm the gifts that God has given you, and we hope and pray for you to use those gifts for God's purposes in the world. Now, you've learned a lot of things in this class, a lot of dates or a lot of information, but this is the morning to say that those things aren't the thing. Those things are just the reminders of God's faithfulness throughout generations that we want you to enter into. Now is the time where we affirm that you are entering into God's story in a new and exciting way, and we want to affirm that fully in you. This morning is a day marked out to lift each of you up, to affirm you in your vital place in the life of this church and God's bigger kingdom. It's a reminder of God's grace, the flow of abundant life, enduring life, and forgiveness, which each of you has access to at any given time. Like the people that you gave your sermons about, they didn't make it all the time. They didn't always do it correctly. But by God's grace, that was always present. They were, they were able to do great things for God's kingdom. And that's a good reminder for you, and it's a good reminder for all of us, right? That no matter how badly we're messed up in the beginning, God takes our broken vessels and makes us into something more beautiful and uses us for his purposes. And that's true of each of you this morning. Like a river that continually flows, whether or not we want it to, the river of God's grace is con consistently flowing if only we would enter into it and become a part of what God is doing in the world. So you're all children of God. Like the passage said, like children, we enter into the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to people that have childlike faith. And so you guys are at the perfect time in your lives to be able to recognize that, to say, now I remember the faithfulness of God, Caroline's story of God's faithfulness and all of your stories of the ways that God is faithful we affirm those things, and we ask you to step forward into those. Like the characters in your sermons, God wants to use you. And God says the whole church can be led by you. That's a high calling, but it's something that we actually believe. And this morning is a day to say, let nothing come in between you and the work that God has for you. Not me, not any of the people in this room, not the world. Let nothing come in between you and the thing that God has for you, the gifts that God has given to you. I take that seriously because when I see you guys invite your friends to Flipside or to church, that leads the church. The church sees that. Those of you who went on CSM, we all went on CSM. Those of you who went to the city to serve people and meet people in the city, that leads our church. 
in a very tangible way because we see the work that you're doing and we say, we can do that. And I feel that every, every week. You have gifts, and now is the time to begin to use those gifts for God. Don't wait for another time. A smarter man than me once said that the place that God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet, where those two things come together. And so it's our prayer that you would find the place that God is calling you to, the vocation and the job that God is calling to you that will bring your gladness and the world's hunger together so that you can do it for God. So now, Maddie, in your graciousness and your kindness, Caroline, in your maturity and your joyful spirit, Isaac, in your creativity and your passion for making things new, and Vivian, in your compassion and your honesty, we see these things as unique expressions of God's gifts in you. And as we transition to the rite of confirmation, I invite each of you to feel your church behind you. All of these people that are here, we're behind you and we're cheering you on and we're saying, lead us. And we're affirming that which is already true in your life, that you are a child of God. You are deeply loved and you're deeply gifted. And don't let anything, don't let anything come in between you and the work that God has for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these children of God, for these children of yours, and the reminder that they are to us that we are always your children, deeply loved and deeply gifted, and as they lead us forward, would you give them confidence, peace, patience, and kindness to do your work in this world for the name of your kingdom. We ask these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to invite our confirmants forward. Make sure you have your right of confirmation because you have some lines. We provide those lines for you. Don't worry. Come and you can face this congregation that loves you and cares about you. And hopefully you have this as well on your bulletin so that you can follow along with these important words. Dear confirmants, having received this purposeful instruction and training, you are given opportunity on this, your Confirmation Sunday, to make public confession of faith. Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Do you trust him? I do. Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and show his love in your life? I do. Then we will share our common faith together in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I'm going to invite the rest of the confirmands, any seventh graders, to stand. And the congregation can join us as well as a sign of our common faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into Hades. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
Stay up here, guys. Stay up. This is what the Church of Christ believes. As your teachers and pastors, our prayer is that this may be your personal confession of faith and the basis for the commitment of your life and soul to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you are truly confirming your faith, making it your very own, answer these questions by saying, with God's help, I will. Will you seek further instruction and inspiration from the word of God? With God's help, I will. Will you endeavor to lead a sober, upright, and godly life in this world and be regular in your participation in the services of the church? I'm going to invite you guys to kneel. Kneel right on these two, on this side, two on that side. And parents and counselor friends, if you want to come up, we're going to pray for uh, these confirmands as we enter into this next phase. And the rest of the congregation, if you'd like to extend a hand towards uh, these confirmands as we pray for them, this is our time to continue affirming their faith. You can lay a hand on them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, who has promised to make new creations out of those who sincerely trust Christ, we intercede for these young people on this day of confirmation and beyond, that each may grow in the confidence that he or she has indeed been born anew of your Spirit. As you call us to receive baptism in water, so may this day receive baptism in your Spirit, equipping mind and will and heart daily to respond to the call to die to sin and selfishness and to be raised to newness of life in Christ. May they grow in the manifold adventures of your grace. May they not settle for such a mild encounter with Christ that it will serve only to vaccinate against or keep them from the real thing. May they not mistake social status for true greatness, material wealth for lasting riches, nor entertaining laughter for enduring joy. And at the many crossroads of decision which each will have to pass through, grant insight and discernment to distinguish between the road which leads to death and the road which leads to life. Grant courage to follow the road which leads to life. We pray this for these confirmands. Defend, O Lord, these your children with your heavenly grace, that they may be continue to be yours forever and daily increase in your Holy Spirit until they come into your everlasting kingdom. Amen. We have some symbols that we'd like to give to you. And these are symbols of things that are true, as, as we say. These are things that God believes about you, and we believe and we affirm about you. And the first is the gift of salt. There's a lot of uh, talk in the Bible about salt. Jesus calls us salt and light. And so you can extend your hand, and I'm going to put some salt in your hand, just one hand. You guys are the salt of the earth, flavoring our culture and making a difference. After the salt, we give you each a candle to represent the fact that you are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and yet he also said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. In the same way, we call you into this dark world to be a light for Jesus, reflecting his good work, his good words, uh, being a distinct help to this dark world. Receive this light. You are the light.
The last gift that we have for you is a promise from Jesus. It's a reminder of one of Jesus' promises. And oftentimes we rest in the promises of Jesus Christ as things that are very hopeful and encouraging to us. This is a little bit of a different promise. Jesus promises that in this life, there will be trials and troubles and tribulations. It's a promise of Jesus that life is not always easy. And there is a call that goes along with that promise, and that is the call to pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus, to look at the sacrifice and the love and the grace and the commitment of Jesus Christ as a sign of of what you might follow each and every day, to pick up your cross and to follow him. So we have for you a gift to take with you, a holding cross. This is a cross that fits easily in your palm. Maybe it goes in a purse or in a pocket or in a locker or on a desk. But I want you to hold this at some point every day and be reminded that difficulties will come. But when we commit ourselves to pick up our cross and follow Jesus each and every day, that he walks alongside us and we have a companion for the journey. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for these students, for the encouragement that they are to us. And I thank you for these powerful gifts that are given, the reminders to be salt in this world, to be light in this world, and to pick up their cross each and every day and follow you. I pray that you would give them strength and conviction to do so, to keep these symbols in mind as a reminder of the true life that is given by you. And we ask, Lord, that... This might not be the end of a process for them, but the beginning uh, of a new process for them, a new opportunity to step into the life that you have called them to, a life that is sold out for you, that is committed to following you, that stays uh, in the deep well of your word and is reliant on your spirit. So may the words that these students have spoken this day the promises that they have made and the gifts that they receive absorb deeply into their souls and their spirits and be reminders in the life ahead of them that you are with them, that you love them, that you have gifted them, and now they have tools for the journey of following you. What an adventure, Lord. And may they take hold of that adventure each and every day, I pray in your name. Amen.